Well, today we're going to continue our series from the Old Testament. When we began, we looked at creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we moved to the first marriage where God joined Adam and Eve in marriage. Then there was original sin, and today it is Noah and the ark. So take your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse number 9. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. And Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. And then he goes on from there to describe how he wants the ark built. The thing that first caught my attention about this story is found in verse number 8, where it says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, what a tremendous thing to say about someone, that this person found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Each one of us would desire that, but how does that come about? What is it that causes someone to find favor in the eyes of the Lord. Well, the Bible teaches us first that he was a man of character in verse number 9. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. He was a man of character. Linda and I were talking this past week, and conversation turned to my father. And uh, Linda said, I wish I would have known him better. My dad died when he was 43 years old. And I said, well, he was a man of character, and that is his legacy, is that he was a man of character. He was a man of integrity. He was a man whose word was his bond. You see, ladies and gentlemen, if we are going to be people who find favor in the eyes of the Lord, then we must be people of character. Noah was a man of character. The Bible says that he was righteous. And the word righteous that is used means justified before God. Well, how does one attain righteousness? We want to be righteous, do we not? Each one of us would like to be righteous. So how then does a person attain righteousness? Well, the Scripture tells us in Galatians 2.16, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, But through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So the Bible says that no person becomes righteous as a result of keeping the law. You see, the law exposes our condition, but it does not correct our condition. The law is like a mirror. It reflects who we are, but it does not change who we are. 
And so the Bible then says that we become righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. And Noah was a man of faith. He heard the word of God in verse number 13. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark. And so he heard God when God spoke to him, and he believed what God said in spite of his circumstances, in spite of the skeptics. He nevertheless believed what God said. In fact, the Scripture says in Hebrews 11:13, all these, referring to those people of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, including Noah, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. The Bible says that they saw from a distance. That's faith. When we hear God's Word and we believe God's Word, when it has not been fulfilled, then we are responding in faith. And then the Bible says, because he heard, he believed, and then he acted in verse number 22. Thus Noah did, according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Ladies and gentlemen, for faith to be completed, there must always be action. Faith is not complete until there is action. So, the Bible says that he was righteous. It says that he was blameless. Well, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean sinless. Because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. In fact, I was reading in my devotion time yesterday in Proverbs 20, verse 9, and the writer said, Who can say I have cleansed my heart? I am pure from my sins. None of us. So when the Bible says then that Noah was blameless, it does not mean that he was sinless, but it does mean that he was sincere. Matthew Henry wrote, he was perfect or blameless, not with sinless perfection, but a perfection of sincerity. So the Bible says that he was blameless, and then it says that he walked with God. To walk with someone suggests, first of all, fellowship. To walk with a person means that we are fellowshipping with that person. In fact, in Amos chapter 3, it says, Do two men walk together unless they have made an appointment or that they are in agreement? So, to walk with someone means to fellowship with that person. It also means that we know that person, that there is a relationship with that person. Paul wrote in Philippians 3.17, Brethren, Join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Now, listen, you are to observe those who have a pattern of life that glorifies God. And let me especially say to young people today, make sure that you choose your friends from those who will build your faith up, not tear your faith down. When you are choosing friends for your life, make sure that you are choosing those people who will cause you to go closer to Christ, not further from Christ. To walk with someone means that we know that person. It means that we fellowship with that person. So he was a man of, of character. And then he was also a man of courage because it requires courage to believe God's word and to act on it. 
And Noah acted on God's word, according to verse number 22. Faith is always active. You must understand that. I have people uh, talk with people who believe that they have faith because they believe something, but faith is not complete until you act on what you say you believe. That's the reason that James said that faith without works is dead. We are not saved by works. We are not made righteous by works. But if we have genuine faith, then it always results in action. And we respond in action based on revelation. And that's exactly what Noah was doing. In Hebrews 11:7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. So the Lord then had revealed what was coming. And then he acted on the revelation. So he was a man of character, he was a man of courage, and he was a man of commitment. Noah was committed to the Lord. You know, of course, that from the time the Lord told him to build the ark and to warn the people that 120 years passed before the flood came. And he faithfully was proclaiming the message of God for a period of 120 years. Now, that's commitment. I'm sure that there would have been days when I would have gotten up and said, you know, I think I might have missed that weather forecast. But he was faithful. Enoch was faithful and committed. The Bible says in Genesis 5:22, then Enoch walked with God 300 years. And so, folks, we move from courage to commitment. See, it's one thing for us to say that we believe something. It takes courage for us to act on it, to be committed to it. One of the sad things to me about uh, Noah's story is that he was faithful to the Lord. He was committed to the Lord. He did what he was supposed to do. And yet the only people who listened, apparently, to his warning was his own family. Peter wrote, eight persons were brought safely through the water, and that was his family. Let me tell you something. I think it's important to know this. If you commit your life to Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, there will be times when you are going to stand alone. You're not going to have a great deal of support if you're committed to Christ. That's what Paul said in his testimony. He said, at my first, def- my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. Only the Lord stood with me. Paul says, when it was time for me to stand for my convictions, he said, no one stood with me except the Lord. You understand that? That if you're committed to the Lord, there are going to be times when you're going to stand alone. You're not going to get support. That's true for you students. I remember when I was in college, I was taking a uh, British literature class. And uh, my professor, I I believe her name was Dr. Mills. I'm not really sure about that at this time. It was seven, eight years ago. But it was a while back. (laughs) And every time... A new author was introduced to us. She would always mention that he was a Unitarian. Well, now, I wasn't all that committed at that time, to be honest with you, but it began to get on my nerves after a while because everybody was a Unitarian. And so one day I raised my hand and she said, Miss Treestep. And I said, I was curious about something. I said, you have been talking about the Unitarians for some time. I was just curious if a Baptist might be able to say something. 
She was not um, amused with that. In fact, the truth is, she dismissed the entire class except for me. And I got to stay with her. And she said, all right, you want to say something? What is it you want to say? And I thought, well, shoot, I'm in trouble already. I might as well put it out there. So I told her, I said, I I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he came and died on the cross, that he shed his blood, that, that people might be forgiven of their sin, that they might be saved. And she sat there and watched me. And then she said, that is the most barbaric thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't know what ever happened to her, but uh, the point that is being made is, folks, if you are committed to the Lord, there are going to be times when you stand alone. Now, that's true for you business persons. If you conduct your business according to the Word of God and you're committed to the Lord, there are going to be times when you, you think that you're being taken advantage of because you have a standard that is different from others. You're going to stand alone at times. Some of you will stand alone for Christ even in your home because you are the only believer that is there. So the Bible says that he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because he was a man of courage. He was a man of character. He was a man of commitment. And then we see the foresight of Noah. In Revelation, I mean, in Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says, In reverence, he prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Can you imagine what a chore it was to build that ark? He didn't have all the equipment and the tools that we have. In fact, uh, I got the story that the Lord had come to Noah and said, Noah, I'm going to send the flood. I want you to build an ark. And uh, Noah got on the job. He started building the ark. And about six or seven months had gone by, and the Lord came back to him and said, Noah, Where is that ark? I told you to build an ark. The flood is coming. And Noah said, Lord, please forgive me. I did my best, but there were some big problems. First, I had to get a building permit for the ark's construction, but your plans did not meet their code. So I had to hire an engineer, but your plans did not meet their code. The engineer had me redo the plans, only we got into a long argument with him about whether to include a fire sprinkler system. Then I had a big problem getting enough wood for the ark because there was a ban on cutting trees to save the spotted owl. I tried to convince the environmentalist and the fish and wildlife service that I needed the wood to save the owls, but they wouldn't let me catch them anyway, so no owls. Next, I started gathering up the animals, but got sued by an animal rights group that objected to me taking only two of each kind. Just when the suit was dismissed, the EPA notified me that I couldn't complete the ark without filing an environmental impact statement on your proposed flood. Then the Corps of Engineers wanted a map of the proposed flood plan, so I sent them a globe. The IRS has seized all my assets, claiming that I am trying to leave the country. And I just got a notice from the state that I owe some kind of usage tax. Really, I don't think I can finish the ark in less than five years. And then the skies cleared and the sun came out. And Noah said, God, are you not going to destroy the world? And the Lord said, no, the government's already done that. (laughs) 
What motivated Noah to build the ark? It was fear. The Bible says in reverence. The NIV translates that in holy fear. He built an ark. He took seriously the pronouncement of God. You know what? It wouldn't hurt us to have a healthy dose of fear. We don't fear God much anymore. Now, what I mean by that is that I I feared my father. I was not fearful that he was going to abuse me or that he was going to take advantage of me. But this was the thing. I had this respect for him that when he told me to do something, I'd better do it. Because I knew that I was going to answer to him. And you and I need a fear of God because one day we are going to stand before God and give an account of our lives. The Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he had done, whether good or bad. So what was the motivation for building the ark? What was the motivation for being obedient to God? It was fear in that he knew he was going to answer to God. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are going to answer to God. We are going to stand before God. And that is a motivation. Because of fear, he prepared. Noah was a man of faith. And because he believed what God said, then he began to build the ark because the world did not believe they were unprepared. In fact, the Scripture says in Matthew 24, verses 38 and 39, For as in those days which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand that the flood came, until the flood came and took them all away. There are two problems that keep us from being prepared. The first is indifference. The world was not prepared because they were indifferent. It says in there that they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage and so forth. And some people read that and think that is some reference to sin. It is not. I don't believe it is. I think that it is speaking of indifference. In other words, they were just doing what they always did. They were going about life as they always had, while they ignored the warning that was coming from Noah. Peter says the same thing. He said that there are mockers who say that Jesus is not coming back. The fathers have said this for centuries. Life continues as it has always continued. Therefore, Jesus is not coming back, and they were indifferent to the warning. You know, my fear is, is that some of us have become indifferent to the Word of God. See, you've been in church for so long. You've heard the Word of God so long. You've sat in the services so long. You know what's coming. You know there's choirs going to sing before I stand and preach. You know we're going to take an offering. You know I'm going to preach. We're going to give an invitation, ask people to come and all those things. And so you just sort of tune it all out. And we become indifferent to the Word of God. We become indifferent to the Holy Spirit who speaks to our heart. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that when when we come to worship and the Holy Spirit speaks to some hearts and draws them to Christ, and if you say no to that after a while, you become indifferent and you no longer hear the Holy Spirit. Indifference and ignorance. Matthew twenty four thirty nine, and they did not understand until the flood took them all away. They heard the warning, but they did not respond to it. 
Noah was preserved. The Scripture says in chapter 7, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You see, because Noah responded to God, because Noah was faithful to God, because Noah believed God, because Noah was obedient to God, the Bible says that he was preserved, he was saved. Not only that, but his family was saved. Man, there's an awesome responsibility that we have. An awesome spiritual responsibility we have. In Acts chapter 16, it tells a story about Paul and Silas being in prison. And uh, it was midnight. They were singing and praising the Lord and so forth. And you recall the story that there was an earthquake. And the doors of the jail, was they were opened. And when the jailer awoke and saw what had happened, He was fearful for his own life, that he was going to be killed, his life for the life of the prisoners. And Paul and Silas were still there, and they said, no, you don't do yourself any harm. We are still here. And then the Bible says, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved, you and your household. And he was saved, and his household was saved, and they were all baptized. Men. Let me say to you, you have the opportunity to have an impact on your family spiritually. You have a responsibility, but you also have an opportunity. And I'm afraid today that we have men who are giving themselves to everything else. We are focusing our attention everything else. We are making sure that our, that our children have a proper education. We are making sure that they are involved in sports. We're making sure that they are ballet. We're making sure of all these things. Those are all good but not at the price of neglecting spiritual things. That's too much. That's too much. What would your children say you believe to be important? When I look at Noah, now he didn't lead anybody else into that ark, but he led his own family in there. And so you have to give him credit for that. At least his family followed him to safety. Then there's the forecast of Noah. He'd given a spiritual warning because God's Judgment always uh, comes before judgment. In verse number 13 and 14, the, the Lord gave the warning. The end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm about to destroy the, them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark. So he gave the warning. The Lord always warns. He tells us exactly what he's going to do. In Matthew chapter 24, 3, the disciples asked, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so Jesus said, well, now here are some signs. He says, no one knows the day nor the hour, but here are some signs. And he gave them the signs prior to his, he said, you'll see these things fulfilled before I come. Looks to me like those signs are being fulfilled rapidly. Every day when I get up and read the newspaper and see what's going on in the world, it looks to me like we're getting closer and closer to the return of Christ. But the Lord gives us a warning. Sadly, man rejects the warning. We know. We know what the Scripture says, but we reject it. Why? Well, because we don't want to be ridiculed. You know, man, I mean, people think I'm strange, that I'm weird, if I'm really focused on the Lord, or I, or I don't want to change my lifestyle. I just want to do things that I want to do. There was a forecast of, of Noah. Noah warned the people what was coming. And then there's the future. It's worth it all, ladies and gentlemen, there's a price to be paid, but it's worth it all. They're material blessings because God blesses the faithful while they're on earth. I look at the story of Noah, and the world rejected his message because they wanted the world. Noah was obedient to the Lord, and after the flood, he owned it all. 
God blessed him. The Bible says of Job, he lost everything, but the latter part of his life was more blessed than the beginning. In Job chapter 42, 12, and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. The Lord blessed him. He was faithful. Joseph, he went from prison to prime minister. If you want a life that is blessed, it is a life committed to Jesus. It really is. You know what? Now, I believe there's a heaven. I believe there's a hell. But I would be a Christian if I didn't believe either one of those things to be true, just because it's such a blessed life. God just blesses. My life in Christ is something I would never have dreamed of. But not only are there material blessings presently, there are spiritual blessings eternally. Righteous? Do you want to be righteous? Well, you see, here's what the Scripture says. That when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. And the word imputed is a banking term. It means it's transferred to my account. So the righteousness of Jesus, and we all agree that Jesus is righteous, right? So the righteousness of Jesus, and He is righteous, is put in my account, and now that I'm righteous. Not because of anything within myself, but it is the righteousness of Christ. We receive that, the Bible says, by faith. Noah had faith in God, and Noah received the blessings of God. Let me ask you this morning. Will you hear the message of God, the warning of God, the invitation of God? That the Lord says to you that I love you. As our testimony said a while ago, you said, whether you're an atheist or not doesn't really make any difference. We know that we are sinners and God loves us. If you have never invited Christ into your heart, would you believe the promise and act on it to complete it? And my friend, according to the Word of God, your sins are forgiven and you become a child of God. And when the Lord takes us home, we go home to be with Him. If you've never done that, I trust you will today. Our Father in God, we come to this time of invitation and ask, Lord, for the anointing and the drawing of the Holy Spirit. Father, for those who have never come to know Jesus as Savior, we pray that this might be the day that they're born into the family of God, born again. Lord, we pray for those who are looking for a church home. I pray that they'd feel comfortable here. Bless them, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing. This is a time of invitation, time for you. Will you come today? Will you make that commitment today? Will you act on what you believe today? There'll be staff members here to greet you. Stand with me, please, as they sing. You come, I'll greet you. Come.